Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. We will stand up. 
sing a song for you that you can join in we uh i wrote it years ago and we never really did it much at camp but uh, i want to talk a little bit tonight in the time we have uh, about foundations and what we build our life on and uh, this real simple song is easy to learn so when you feel comfortable uh, feel free to join me may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O oh Lord my God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O oh Lord my My Redeemer, strong defender, eternal Savior, oh Lord my God, the heavens exalt you, creation adores you. May we never ignore you, oh Lord my God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, oh Lord my God. My Redeemer, strong defender, eternal Savior, O oh Lord my God, the heavens exalt you, creation adores you. May we never ignore you, oh Lord my God. May the words of my mouth be acceptable in my heart, be acceptable to you, oh Lord my God. mistake on the PowerPoint, sorry. Let's pray. Father, we just pray you'd be with us tonight and had a lot of singing, had a lot of fun. It's good to see Hayden out and, uh, and seeing Colby guys be working with this summer. Thank you for Nikki singing with us. Uh, I had such great fun with her when she was a counselor. I just pray you, you just help me say what you've been laying on my heart for the last week or so and, and bless her time. I pray this in your name. Amen. You can go to the next slide. I'm not sure what's there. Yeah, I want to tell a story. Um, I talked about the word foundation, and uh, um, I read a book. I've been reading a lot of uh, Richard E. Simmons, the third books, and, uh, and Richard E. Simmons, not the dancer, not the weight loss guy. He's a different guy altogether. Uh, 
he has a uh, has a great book called The True Measure of a Man, and uh, in, in this he talked about this story that I want to tell you. It's a story by Gordon McDonald. It's about a, it's a, it's not a true story, um, but a parable. And apparently, in the story, it goes like this. I wish I had it with me. I'd read it to you. Um, but in my in my hurry leaving the house tonight, I got in my car and I thought I had everything. And I looked at my shirt and I had just eaten and I had potatoes all over my shirt. And I thought, oh, I got to go change my shirt. So I changed my shirt, threw this on. And uh, I mean, I know you know I'm a slob, but I didn't want to prove it. And uh, and I realized that all my notes and everything was in that in that coat, that shirt. So um, winging it tonight, kind of. But um, the story goes that there was a man who was very rich, and the only thing he wanted in life was to be known as the richest man in the world. And he had everything. At least he thought he had everything, and he didn't feel like he was getting the respect that most rich men get. And uh, he uh, asked someone, "What do I do? And what do I do to get?" And they said, well, you don't have a yacht. You don't have a boat. You need to join the, the, the yacht club where all, and hang out with all the millionaires, and you need to have a really fancy yacht like they have. And uh, he thought, well, you know what? I'm going to do one better. I'm going to build. I'm going to build a yacht. I'm going to build the, the most beautiful, most glorious uh, sailing boat that they'd ever seen. And, and he began to build this, this beautiful, beautiful boat. And... Uh, he didn't, uh, on the, what you would see of the boat, above the water, he did not spare any expense. He used brass fittings. He used gold. He had, you know, like, it was just luxurious. And he had fancy, beautiful, colorful, and when people, it started coming together, people said that's the greatest boat they'd ever seen. It was huge. It was bigger than any boat at the yacht, and, and it was glorious. When the sun hit it, it would just gleam. And he was just getting, his head was getting like, man, I'm going to be known as the most, the greatest man in the world because I have this, this great boat. But he made a, a fatal flaw when he was building his boat. The only thing he really cared about was what people thought of him when they saw the boat. And if, if there was something on the boat that they couldn't see, he didn't pay a lot of attention to it. And he didn't know how to build the bottom side of a boat very well. He... Uh, didn't pay attention to the ballast or the right time. He, was, he cut corners on things. If there was something you couldn't see, he didn't care about it. Like, he realized that most of the time you're not going to see the flotation devices. And so he didn't put any flotation. He didn't have any uh, rescue boats. He didn't have any of the safety stuff that you would normally have. And the boat was just wasn't built properly. It didn't have a foundation. And finally, the boat was ready, and everything looked great. And if you saw the boat, you would think it was the greatest boat in the world. And he took it out, and it was called the Persona. That was the name of the, the book, the story. And he takes it out, and everybody's watching, clapping for him. And that's what he lived for. He wanted the applause of men. And he went out just beyond the horizon where they couldn't see him anymore, and he couldn't see them. And he went out a little further, and a storm came up. And not a, not a squall, not a tornado, not a hurricane, but just a normal storm that comes up on the ocean. If you know anything about sailing, you know there's going to be storms out on, on, on the seas. And his boat wasn't prepared for it. And a big wave capsized the boat. And because it didn't have the right balance, it didn't come up. Didn't. Usually if a boat goes over, it'll, come, it'll right itself. This boat didn't begin to sink. 
fell apart. Everything uh, was gone. And they're waiting on the shore, and all of a sudden, all the debris starts coming in. I mean, the boat, basically, that little storm just crushed this boat. And the reason it got crushed, because it didn't have a foundation. It, wasn't, it was built above the water, but it wasn't built right below the water. And they did an investigation, and they realized what he had done. They realized all the corners he cut just as people would praise him for having a really fancy-looking boat. And they didn't call him the richest man in the world. They called him the fool. They said anybody that builds a boat that doesn't have a proper foundation is just sailing toward disaster. And that, that stuck with me. That story stuck with me. Because I know a little bit about Gordon McDonald. I know he went through a rough patch when he was growing up. And I think it's his story. He realized there was a time in his life when he, he, it was more about the appearance, what people see. And now I think he's come to that place where he understands, I have to have a foundation. I have to have something to build my life on. Well, this summer at New Life, we're going to talk about creation. We're going to study mainly chapter 1 of Genesis, but we're going to get in a little bit to chapter 2 and a little of chapter 3, but mainly chapter 1. And I was reading that just to familiarize myself. I was getting ready to put the curriculum together and open up the Bible to Genesis 1, and I read four words that astounded me. In the beginning, God. And I was like, I'm almost, I'll be 67 Tuesday. How many times have I read the creation story in my 67 years on earth? And why hasn't that affected me more profoundly like it did this time? I just stopped. I couldn't read anymore. I kept dealing with the fact, in the beginning, God. Who writes a story like that? You know? He doesn't explain who he is. He doesn't give his background. He doesn't give us a resume. There's not a uh, preface like C.S. Lewis. You ever read C.S. Lewis? He has to write three chapters of preface just so you can understand what he's talking about. And even then, it doesn't help. The guy's just over our, I, I, I read the book of miracles three times. And every time, over my head. And uh, I, I read it for classes. And the last time I was at uh, the, the, the institute, at Cornerstone, and Jeff Royce was our teacher, and he gave us the book Miracles and said, we're going to be tested every, every week. It'll be a quiz on the chapter. And I was like, and I read it, and I had, I'd come in every time going, there's no way I'm going to pass. I have no idea what this book's about. And every time he would say, you know what, we're going to wait till next week. And that happened every week. And finally about week eight, I went over and I said, hey, Jeff, why aren't we having those quizzes? He says, I can't, I can't give you a test on anything I don't understand. I have not a clue what this guy's talking about. <laughs> but we have to know what our foundation is. We have to know. We have to believe that. You know, I told you last year I met a guy who said that if you believe in the Genesis story, you're a fool. If you believe Genesis 1, you're a fool. And I'm like, that means you don't believe in the beginning God. And if in the beginning God is not true, what's your foundation for the rest of it? What are you going to believe in? And that just got to me. That just really, really got to me. I was like, 
If I don't believe that, if I'm not anchored to that, then how do I believe the rest of it? How do I believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and, and, and rose from the dead? How do I believe that if I don't believe in the beginning God? And that's what we want to give these kids. I, I'm afraid our children are losing that foundation of biblical integrity. And so we're going to try to keep it simple, but we're going to try to help them understand if you don't believe in the beginning God, you really need to check your life out. There's something missing. There's a, there's a storm coming your way. You know, I've been struggling with, with my dad, the issues that my dad has. I've been struggling with a lot of things, but we all struggle, right? It's that foundation in the beginning, God. It's that foundation in the word of God that even when the storms come, maybe we get turned over, but in Christ we come back up. You know, we're made the right way in Christ. We're made for storms. He's with us. Go ahead and hit the next slide if you don't mind. This is a song I grew up with, and we're going to do it, sing it again as an invitation. But uh, I know everybody knows this one, right? Everybody grew up with this song. I just want you to look at the thoughts of this song. With this, the lady who wrote this is named Audrey Meyer. I don't remember how long ago, but I started singing this song when I was a kid in vacation Bible school. I sang it at the, the church I went to in Asheville, North Carolina, not far from where you live. And it's just a great song. And uh, uh, just look at the, 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 the things that she wrote that are true about Jesus that aren't true about anybody else, all right? Look at that, and we're going to talk about that after. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name.
Okay, so you didn't get the other one, I think. Okay, all right. I still want to talk. Go back to the song then, to just keep the song up. Just going to kind of go through this song. Uh, I, one day, I, we sang this at the men's retreat. Uh, we were with the men. DJ was there helping me lead. And Oh, sorry. No, I didn't that. Uh, um, and we had a prayer time, and then we brought them in, and we started singing this song. We've been singing all the kind of popular songs and the cool songs, and we started singing this one. I don't know if you noticed it, but just something happened in the room. And I looked up at guys that normally aren't, they're pretty stoic, and they had, they had, we started singing these words, and tears were running down their face. And they were guys that don't normally do, very expressive in worship, had their hands up, and they were singing because they were singing truth. And I just want to go, I want you to notice something about this song. Um, first of all, she says, his name is wonderful three times. She's using repetition. That's a good thing to do if you're a songwriter. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. What idea do you think she's trying to get across to you? His name is wonderful. Amen. Who else's name is wonderful? I like my name. You know, my real name is James Anderson Maples. Everybody thinks it's Andrew. I don't answer to Andrew. I got picked on somebody using the name Andrew when I was a kid. Andrew. You call me Andrew, I'm looking for a fight. I don't like it because it's not my name. I like my name, James Anderson Maples. I am named for Isaac Anderson, who lived 300 years ago in Scotland. He was a church planner. And he came to the States, and he's one of the first missionaries to the Cherokee Nation. There's something about that name that I really like. But my, no one's ever going to say that my name's wonderful. No one's ever going to say, DJ, your name's wonderful. Because it's not true about us. There are things we do that are good. And I'm not saying we're bad people, but when you say he is wonderful, it means it's full of wonder. That, that just belongs to Jesus. So let's keep that in mind. Things that are true about God. Because that's what worship is. Worship is telling God the truth. We're telling the things he already knows, but we're telling him that we know this is true about him and nobody else. So he says he is uh, the mighty king. Okay? There are a lot of kings in the world, right? There are a lot of guys. There's good kings. There's bad kings. There's evil kings. There's lazy kings. We won't talk about presidents, but there's, lazy, you know, there's uh, leaders. But there's something different when we say he is the mighty king, not a mighty king. He is the mighty king. There's something different about the kingship of Jesus Christ. He's not up there making money. He's not up there raising taxes. He's trying to do everything he can for us. Bible says that the redemption story was planned before the foundation of the earth was laid. He was always going to be a king, but he was always going to be a suffering king. He's going to be a dying king. He's going to be a resurrected king. We say he's the mighty king because there's, that's not true about anybody else. It's just not. There's no king. I mean, I think of Solomon, wisest man in the world, but he messed up. You know, he, his heart was pulled away to idols because he kept breaking the laws that, uh, the, that God gave in Leviticus. David, he messed up. 
I look at David and I go, man, if it can happen to him, it can happen to me. I got to be, I got to be careful. But why do we call him the mighty king? What makes him special? This morning in my devotions, I read Matthew 27. And it made, said some things about Jesus. It said that he was taken prisoner. He was uh, stripped, meaning they took away his dignity. They beat him and spit on him and mocked him. They uh, put a, a crown of thorns on his head. They rebuked him. They abused him. They just did anything they could to humiliate him. And we know that he had the power to stop it. He could have called, it says, 10,000 angels if he wanted. And he let that happen to him. I was watching the, the movie years ago uh, that Mel Gibson made. And that it was that part where um, Jesus was being whipped and the girl behind me was bawling. I mean, I don't mean just crying. She was losing it. And I leaned back and I said, are you going to be okay? And she leaned up to me and she goes, he did that for me, didn't he? I lost it then. When both of us started bawling. That's the kind of king he is. No other king would do that. He goes to the cross. He's nailed to the cross. He's crucified. They keep making fun of him. They keep mocking him. The, the Pharisees show up, and they keep using the word if. If you're the son of God. Well, who else said that to Jesus once before? Didn't Satan say that to him? If you're the son of God, turn the rocks into the bread or jump off. The angels will catch you. If, if, if. See, I think the Pharisees actually thought Jesus was the Messiah. He just wasn't the kind of Messiah they wanted. We don't get to tell Jesus who he is. He's, he's who he is. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And when he died on the cross, the last thing he said was, it is finished. And that means that he paid the debt of our sin. And that's why he's the mighty king. And there's nobody next to him. There's nobody. That's not true about anybody you can imagine. He keeps going. He says, uh, he's the master of everything. I think I'm a decent guitar player. I wouldn't go as far as using the word master. I got a long way to go. But I did meet the master guitar player last uh, September, uh, a guy named Tommy Emanuel. And I've been a big fan of his for many, many years. Um, I got to go uh, to Nashville, and I saw him. I got to meet him. I actually got to go in a room and then just have a 20, 30-minute chat with him. And, I mean, the guy is great. He's one of the best. He's a wonderful musician. They have an award they give out about to the best guitarists. They've only given out five of them in the history of country music. And he's got one of them. Chet's got one. I can't remember the other. But they don't give them out to anybody. So if you get that, that means... You're a master. And I remember getting and talking and picking Tommy's brain and learning some things about guitar playing. And I was impressed by him as a man because not only was he a great musician, but he was humble about it. And I was like, there's something about you that I think that we're both believing the same person. And it uh, turned out I shared my faith, he shared his faith, and turned out he, he believes in the Lord Jesus just like I do. And we had a great discussion, and I said, uh, Tommy, you're doing so much for me this weekend. What can I do for you? 
And he said, pray for my daughters. And I'm like, here's the best guitarist in the world. And the only the thing he's really worried about is being a good dad. It made me love him more. Made me just want to be more like him. Not even playing. I wanted to be like him. He is a master of the guitar, but Tommy would never say he's the master of everything. Because he knows the master of everything is the Lord Jesus. When I was in high school, going in Ben Lippin School, just down the road from where uh, Sheila went to school in Irwin, uh, North Carolina, um, I met a man named Walter Peck. His son was my best friend. We learned guitars together. Uh, Walter was the smartest man I ever met. He, uh, he was an engineer. He, uh, he invented the first ejection seat that was used. It's still used today in some of the ships that go out from NASA. He was for NASA. He was an engineer, but he also was a scientist for them. He had awards in chemistry, physics, every, anything science or engineering. He had gotten, he was world class at all of it. And the only time I ever, when we talked, he always talked about the Lord. I never knew anybody that knew the Bible better than Mr. Peck. And he would just, I would look at him like, man, Mr. Peck, you're so smart. And he'd go, oh, I, no, there's only one master of everything. Everything he did was to point me, and, and, until he passed away, everything he did was to point me to Christ. And we need men like that today. We need guys that are saying, I'm not the master. He's the master. I'm following him. You come with me. And that's the kind of guy Mr. Peck. Can you roll it to the next slide? It goes on. The song says he's the, he's the great shepherd. I've always liked that terminology, the, using the word shepherd. Uh, I, I always liked uh, the 23rd Psalm. You know, and, and great shepherd, that comes out of Hebrews. Uh, when Peter in his epistle, he calls Jesus the chief shepherd. In the Gospel of John, he's, he's referred to as the good shepherd. But it's the idea that he's looking over us. And in the 23rd Psalm, uh, another unusual opening statement, the Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that a weird statement to make? The Lord is my shepherd. Because if you understand what the word Lord means, it means he's... He's God Almighty. He's, he's high. He's the name, the highest name. Uh, there's nothing below him. It's just he's up there. He's the highest of the high, the way I like to say it. And you look at shepherds. Shepherds were not respected people in the Old Testament. They were looked down upon. They, that was considered the, the worst job you could have. It was a very difficult job. And David's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He's choosing to do the things that a shepherd does. Well, what does a shepherd do? It, perf- it, it protects. It makes sure that predators don't come in and, 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 and kill the sheep. It provides. It, makes sure, it takes them to the places where they're going to get fed. It, it takes them to the places where they're going to be able to get water and get it safely. And it goes on and says, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that good shepherd, that great shepherd, the chief shepherd's with me. And again, that's something when we sing that. It's only true about the Lord Jesus. No one's ever going to call me the great shepherd. I know I, I'm, I can't do what he said. And the song keeps going. It says he's the rock of all ages. 
That's the foundation we've been talking. You need a foundation. You need something that you can depend on. So just think of those things. What a great worship song. You know, a lot of songs are, are out today, and I, I, they, they're called worship songs. There are times when I look at them, I'm not quite so sure, because they don't always say things that are true only about the Lord Jesus, but it says that he's the mighty king, the master of everything, the good shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is he. And when you read that, when you read the truth about God, what does it do? It makes you want to respond to him. And that's what worship is, right? It's responding to the truth of, of God. He says, we bow down before him. We love and we adore him. Why? Because his name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. Let me close with just a real quick story. Um, when I lived in North Carolina, and I went to Asheville Gospel Chapel, and uh, there was a guy there named Craig Sutherland. He was a little older than me, but he kind of worked with the youth. And um, we became friends. And uh, around 1972, his dad came. His dad was a missionary to the Philippines. And he came to speak at the chapel the, the, where I went to church. And very impressed. His name was Sandy uh, Sutherland. And I just... Really strong, not very tall, but man, he he could really command a room and great Bible teacher, and um, I enjoyed it. I mean, to this day, I still remember I can him behind the pulpit. I didn't realize at the time that he was sick; he was ill. Um, I think a, a year, maybe just a little less, he passed away. He had he had cancer, and uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, in 1990, I came to New Life, and Craig, the son, was taking a break from the Philippines, and he was running a New Life Bible camp and invited me to work with him. And so uh, that's when I started working at New Life Bible Camp. And I missed Craig. He's, he was a brother. He was a, 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 really a wonderful influence. Uh, he, he was a big friend of Mr. Peck as well. And uh, he would come over and, and to my house and We'd sit around and drink coffee and, and talk and have fellowship, and uh, I just really enjoyed my time with him. But I remember once he, he, was, he told me a story about his dad. He said, uh, let me tell you about the last thing my dad ever said to me. And I'm, you know, I'm all ears, right? He goes, uh, I was going to take over. When he passed away, I'm taking over the Philippine mission. And so why he still had strength to talk. I think he had, he, he had cancer. While he still had strength to talk, I wanted him to give me the best advice he could give me. And so one day, I, Dad was awake, and he was alert, and, and I sat down next, real next to him, and I said, Dad, I, I, know, I don't know when the last time will be when we get to talk, but I wanted to ask you an important question. Can you give me any good advice before I take off and go to the Philippines? He said that Sandy just had a big smile on his face, and he said, yeah, Craig, Jesus is a wonderful Savior. And that was it. And uh, Craig confessed to me, he said, uh, I just shrugged it off. I thought, uh, that's not going to help me. He was looking for all these different plans and agendas and stuff that he needed to do. And he said, it took me a long time to figure out that's the best advice I ever got in my life. Jesus is a wonderful Savior.
Man, that's foundational. You can build your life on things like that, right? Let's pray. We're going to pray. We're going to sing this one more time as our invitation. So as we're praying, if the guys want to come up, and we'll sing one more time. Lord, thank you for this day. We thank you for this chance to be together. Thank you for being the foundation you are. And just pray as we be with us, we sing this one more time. If anyone needs to talk or pray, that they'll come forward and pray this in your name. Amen. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate what you shared with us and uh, your heart. And uh, just you've always been a blessing to me, continue to be. And uh, so just thank you for sharing with us from your heart tonight. Let's close in prayer. Father, uh, God, it's been good to gather around, um, God, uh, this um, place of worship tonight as we come together as brothers, sisters in Christ. And um, God, just to be reminded of how wonderful a Savior you are. And, Father, the fact that you sent Jesus, your son, to die for us, Father, and his love for us, your love for us. And, God, what a wonderful Savior he is. And so, uh, God, we um, pray that that uh, reminder would stay with us, uh, God, as we go out here. Uh, we pray a, a special blessing on Andy and on New Life Bible Camp and on their ministry this summer. Uh, God, we pray that uh, right now you would be strengthening the counselors who will be serving there, uh, God, preparing the hearts of the kids who are, are and the teens who are going to be there. And, Father, we just pray that there's a great harvest uh, this summer uh, through your word and through your ministry there at New Life Bible Camp. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Uh, Lord willing, uh, we'll see you on Wednesday night. You're dismissed. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. 
We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful. Thank you.